Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Priscilla Tricarico. Dr. Priscilla Tricarico finished her doctorate in behavioral optometry in 2000 and owned her own optometry clinic for over 18 years. She worked with the neuroplasticity of change, but then sold her optometry practice and became a certified magnetic mind coach. Priscilla supports coaches, healers, and professional service providers collapse time to income, impact, and their true heart's desires. She was lucky enough to marry the love of her life, has two gorgeous children, and lives in the house of her dreams. Dr. Priscilla's mission is to help professional women be able to create their true heart's desires in business and in their lifestyle. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Priscilla. Hello. Thank you very much, Dr. Lynette. Yes. And it was just so fun because we kind of connected on social media because we both are in that behavioral optometry space. And um, so we had a lot lot to talk about. And just for people who don't know what behavioral optometry is, an optometrist is a person who checks for the health of your eyes to see if you need glasses or contact lenses, but behavioral optometrists look at the whole person. So we have background in nutrition and emotional work and trauma work and mental, emotional, um, brain work. We, we just make sure everything's all working together and then create customized programs for people to actually get their goals. So really different than just a regular optometrist. That's all right. <laughs> so just so people can get to know you, um, tell us your story, how you started out and how you got to be doing what you're doing today. Okay. Well, um, I spent a long time in behavioral optometry and um, running my own practice, which was something that I dreamed about for a long time. Um, it didn't, at first, when I graduated from optometry, I um just worked for someone, uh, for an employer. And, um, you know, it was good to have those years to get to know the foundations, but I craved to be in business. Like I really wanted to be part of a business and I, I wondered how I would create that. And then I was lucky enough to bump into a lady that already had a behavioral optometry practice and, um, she really liked the way I spoke at a conference and she said, oh, why don't we get together for a coffee? I said, okay. And then um, she said to me, what are you planning to do? I said, well, I'd love to own my own practice. She said, well, how would you like to be partner in a practice? I said, sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> and obviously there's a lot more in between. <laughs> but, um, you know, those moments were so defining and I had no idea um, how to be a business person. I had no idea how to run a practice. And it was so wonderful to have someone to watch and be inspired by. And then I created a picture of what I thought I should be, but it was really hard to fill those shoes when you had someone that had done it for a long time before you. And I sort of let her do everything really. And and I thought that was the right thing to do because I wanted the best for the practice because I thought she knew. And it was just like looking back, I just couldn't step into the CEO me. And, you know, through the many years of that, um, I guess, you know, that evolution of me stepping into that CEO of myself, you know, I ended up owning my own practice. And now, you know, speaking with and helping supporting leaders who 
are entrepreneurs and, you know, stepping into their leadership roles. Awesome. So talk more about that. So you were, you had your own practice, but now you're mm-hmm. working with leaders. So there was yeah. a change somewhere along the way. There was. There sure was. And look, in that change, I had a family as well. So I had two beautiful boys. One is now 11 and one's nine. And, um, you know, running a business and having children, um, you know, it was a big juggle. And, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I like to do things a certain way. And so I didn't want to let neither my parenting or my business run by the wayside. And it was sort of like this mm-hmm. balancing act of, you know, this is who I want to be. I want to be a good mother to my children, but I also want to keep my profession and I want to keep my business and my patience. And, you know, there's all these responsibilities on my shoulders. Um, and I did sort of go through, you know, feeling burnt out and, um there was a point where I just said, I, I need something to shift. I need something to change. And, um, you know, I did quite a lot of personal development um, things along the way. I've done uh, Feldenkrais training, which is a movement therapy training. Um, and then, you know, this, this really sparked my interest in what sort of things shift mindset like, you know, that burnout and feeling like I was really stressed and not knowing how to deal with it. And then noticing that somatic movements uh, helped a whole lot with that. These special movements helped ground my nervous system. That's sort of like this neural overload. And, and it was really powerful and you know with your um, background in behavioral optometry you know that type of thing we're just interested in neuroplasticity we're interested in how that changes us right Mm -hmm. and it was just really interesting also to add to that um, the magnetic mind part of things and it was just a new facet in um, so it's not just science-based because we've got a really strong neuroscience background. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, you know, some spiritual things in there, which I've had from my childhood. You know, I grew up with my parents, like, um, doing meditations and having shamans over. And we even did, like, um, walking on coal and, you know, herbal <laughs> there's just so much so many spiritual things and it was just so nice to bring together the neuroscience and the spiritual together and it was just like something just sparked inside me and I was just like wow I really love this this is really cool <laughs> wow yeah it is you know we're multifaceted people and we need all those areas to be healthy and to feel fulfilled and feel good so I just wanted to go back to the um, having a business and the parenting. There are so many women these days who either they're running their own businesses or they're in corporate or they're just, they just have a job or sometimes two jobs yes. and they, they want, yes. to, you know, they want to make sure their kids get what they need and take care of them well. So any strategies that you found throughout that time that help you get through that? So many. <laughs> I don't know where to start. But if I um, would take a 10,000 foot view, um, what I know now, 
about creating the life I love, um, I think the first step is really to choose what it is, choose what you want. Like there's a lot of people that do affirmations and, and look, the law of attraction has a lot of, there's a lot of interesting parts to it. But I think whenever you say something, you've got to be careful with your subconscious, what's that saying to that? So I think if some people, you know, say, or I am rich and you're not rich, then you're really just lying to yourself. You're lying to your subconscious. If you say, I'm living the life I love, and then you go home and, and then you you're like in tears because of how sad you are. You're kind of lying to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you're lying to your subconscious. So I think the first step, like one of the most important steps is to say, I choose this. And it sort of gives you power. Instead of saying, I, I am that already. And you're sort of like, oh, but I'm not. <laughs> I am, but I'm not. <laughs> so it's saying, I choose the end result of insert whatever it is that you want to do and it's just powerful because you can be the creative force in your life and you can navigate yourself to that point it's kind of like you know when you get in a car and you don't know where you're going it's not going to be a very effective right but when you've got a place to navigate to when you're confident and you've got your map your google maps or whatever it is you have in america <laughs> <laughs> and you know the destination you say I choose to go to the supermarket or I choose to go to my friend's place and you get in there confident and you know your orientation and your direction so that's probably one of the simplest steps is to have an orientation to choose where you're going to go exactly and just so people know where you are Tell them where, oh, you, yeah. where you were talking from. I'm, I'm in Georgia, in the United States, but you are. I'm in the land of kangaroos and koalas. So in Australia, Victoria, Melbourne. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, when I read your intro, you bought the house of your dreams, married the man of your dreams. And now it sounds like you're doing, you know, like you're right on purpose with your life and yeah. doing what you want to do. So. Yeah. How did you manifest that house? How did I manifest the house? You know, um, many, many years of um, investing in property. So I guess um, that was back in my old structure of doing it hard. <laughs> I still manifested it, but it was really hard work. <laughs> so, you know, I've been in practice you know, practicing optometrists for 21 years now and lots of saving, lots of investing in property. And my husband's actually a cabinet maker as well. And he's, he's like a, um, he does all sorts of things. And so this is now the second property that we've um, just really redone everything on the inside. So brand new kitchen, brand new laundry, bathrooms, everything. Um, flooring so we just do that quite well and um, so yeah I guess the thing that I've learned and that's really important is that hard work is beautiful like don't get me wrong it's not like I got it, it is a consistent action and and aligned action is really important but it doesn't have to be as hard as some of the things that I've done in my life I've said that it doesn't have to be that hard there are some things that could come with 
efficiency rather than like breaking your back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And how did you meet your husband? Was it when you were fixing up houses? No, <laughs> it wasn't anything super romantic. We were actually both at it a nightclub. <laughs> Wow, he must have I had a really good day. pickup line. <laughs> he was cute. I just, I saw him on the other side of the dance floor and he could bust a move all right. And he had a nice smile and yeah, I don't know. It started there and he had other things that were more than just that. So <laughs> yeah. what do you admire most about your husband? His um, humour. He always finds a way to make me laugh, which is really lovely. But he has incredible strength and persistence and love. Lots of things. Yeah. Wow. That does sound <laughs> like a love made in heaven. So that's, that's awesome. I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful, honestly. Yeah, I think. Mm. And how does that work? Um, you're now working from home as a coach, yes. right? Yes. And yes. you have the kids and are you yes. schooling them? No, I was for a while. We were in lockdown um, in Melbourne, as you've probably heard for quite a while. Um, so I was homeschooling, um, but now they're back at school, which is lovely. I mean, it's such a relief that uh, they're able to go back to school. Yeah, it's just huge shift in our lives yeah wonderful <laughs> it's amazing the things you take for granted like them being able to socialize with friends mm. and to learn in a school environment like the motivation that they get from having other kids around them versus just like you know his brother or not myself yeah it's it's huge right exactly mm. Wow. So talk more about your coaching, because how did you bridge that gap from behavioral optometry to going into coaching and what kind of things are you coaching people on? Yeah. Yeah. So um, coaching them on their business and mainly coaches um, and on their income impact and their true heart's desires. So really bringing that out. I mean, the women that I work with are usually quite ambitious so they um interested in being successful and I think that just you know there's there's a bit of a stigma on women and success sometimes and it's like it's so nice to work with women that are just confident that they're happy to be career women you know like that they're empowered that they enjoy doing something that their soul lights on fire with their career you know just like yourself you know you get on this podcast and you just love it mm -hmm. and you know that's so nice when you get to work with women that are enjoy a career not just because they have to work yeah mm -hmm. exactly so when you're working with them are you giving them practical tools and strategies are you combining the business with spiritual things? How does what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yes, definitely business strategies to an extent, but um, I work with mainly leadership mindset. So my main 
aim is to be able to get them into their end result, whatever it is that they want to choose, to get really clear on that, then to be able to um, work out the difference between where they are now and where they want to be and create this tension towards it. So they don't have to work hard as a motivation to get away from something or force themselves. It's as if there's like this force pulling them towards it because they're so clear on where they want to go and because we work through the resistance towards the way. And, and then, you know, once we work through the resistance, I make sure they take aligned action, consistent action towards what they want to achieve. And the difference between myself and a lot of other modalities is instead of saying, okay, I need to fix you to get to where you are, right? A lot of modalities say, right, you're not where you are now. So you need to fix yourself to be that, right? So what can we fix about you? Okay, what do you think's the problem? What do you think's wrong with you? Let's get that fixed and then we'll get you to your destination. <laughs> Instead of that, the whole premise is that you're not broken. And that took me a long time to understand that myself because it was so automatically ingrained in me that I had to work hard to be successful. And that I had to keep fixing myself. Oh, I, I, I had burnout. So I needed to fix that to be able to get to where I wanted. Do you know what I mean? Like there's so many, it, it, it's kind of like a problem solving mentality. Well, kind of like. You know, doctors, I mean, what do we do? We I know. Person, we find <laughs> out all their problems and then we tell them what to do. <laughs> Oh, I love chatting with you. It's so easy. You just totally understand. <laughs> we're so used to, we're just spying and looking for those problems. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And, and just the way you're saying that kind of reminds me of, like, you know, you're holding this bucket and it's got holes in it and you're just trying to plug up the hole so it doesn't leak. And it's like, you know, that's what I just think of as problem solving. And, and it was just such a, a, an eye-opening experience to notice myself doing that. And I didn't even realise how ingrained in me it was to sort of fix myself and to fix other people. And it was just like, it was mind-blowing when I went, okay, hang on a minute, what if we're not actually broken, that we can have what we want? without fixing ourselves yeah and and I guess the way to think about it is there's so many successful people that have got certain like things that they're not like perfect does that does that mean they're just in the right structure so success isn't personal you don't need to fix yourself to be successful you just need to be in the right structure to be successful and it's just that that little it's that little nuance of the difference between the two processes. It's kind of like, you know, steaming your chips instead of boiling, um, then deep frying them. <laughs> didn't want to come out. You know, it's just that, it's that road that's different. It'll end up with a different result. <laughs> it's a different way of thinking about it completely. Exactly. And we don't really have to fix all the things that are going wrong. because That's right. 
that'd be really frustrating to keep always concentrating on the things that are wrong and trying to fix them. If you look at just the whole picture of something, there are some things that you definitely have to change because otherwise you can't get to where you want. But there are other things that like, man, this person can't do this. They don't have this skill. We don't need to give it to them. They don't need it. You can hire somebody or they (laughs) That's it. You know, exactly. you can hire yes. to weaknesses or, yeah. or, or trade yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, so we don't yeah. have to really fix everything. Um, but just finding out where a person wants to go. And um, I liked actually the, in the notes that you sent me that you said, instead of trying to, you know, patch this bucket, or I, I was thinking of even a boat being in a boat and you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> trying to keep the water from coming in and sinking, what if someone came by with a new boat? Said, "Hey, hop yes. in. Let's, let's just have yes. a new boat." I liked that example that you gave. I love it. Yes, and that's what I do. I come along in that boat and say, "Hop on in. Let's go." <laughs> There's a new way, and yeah. you don't have to go through torture to get to it. That's it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, I was thinking of. Oh, yes, resistance. Let's Mm. talk about resistance. So as you're working with women, what are some of the main points of resistance that people come across? Are there some common main ones that a lot of people hit? And when they hit those, what is your strategy to help them go around, over, under, Mm. through them? Mm. Definitely. Um, Look, the common things, um, they're really self-sabotaging beliefs. And they are, I'm not significant, I'm not capable, I'm not good enough, I don't belong, um, I'm not worthy. Those sorts of things really pull in and they take away from getting to the end result because, you know, energy moves along the path of least resistance. Kind of like, you know, if you um, put water down on a hill and it's going to go down a certain way, whichever way is the least resistance. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing happens when you're manifesting something and the path will go down towards, so the energy will go down the path of least resistance. So if there's a lot of resistance towards creating, let's say, you know, you're an entrepreneur and you want to double your revenue, right? and You want to go down that path, but on that path, there's a lot of resistance, a lot of resistance where you might not trust a certain yourself or trust the process of getting yourself there. Maybe, you know, there's I am not capable or I'm not good enough or one of those beliefs coming in as really strong resistance. Maybe things happened, you know, there's so many different paths along the journey like the timeline so I'm in my mid-40s now you know going back towards my 30s 20s teens baby mother's womb and then back on the mother's side back you know generations or back on the father's side in generations or maybe it's a past life or something that's not even yours and you've taken on that energy and all these things can come in and really turn up as resistance towards what it is that you want to create and if that's really strong it's like a massive boulder in the way then it's easier to go back and say 
well, I'm just not good enough, and then give up and try another direction. Mm. So if the resistance is super strong, then the energy is going to flow in the way of not, not getting it. Or, you know, there's, there's many different possibilities. But, you know, breaking through that resistance uh, is super important to get there fast and to get there efficiently. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. My favourite strategies, mm -hmm. is that what you were, like, mm -hmm. wanting to ask as well? So um, one of the fastest and my favourite is the superconscious recode, and um, that is 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 like a it's commands to help the person process what structure they're in and release any resistance towards creating. So we start off with that idea of creating, and then when we head towards it, we do commands to find what it is, you know, whether it's something in the timeline, whether it's an emotion or a belief or there's so many things that become uncovered. And the thing that's popped up to me right now that's relevant to both of us is that the blind spot, mm -hmm. like usually it's in people's blind spot. Like I'm in awe of what pops up in coaching sessions that people just don't realise is in the way of getting to their end result. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 in their blind spot and it's so deep in their blind spot that they don't know until the light is shined on it. And then once the light shined on it, it's almost as if they're like, oh wow, okay, we can acknowledge that <laughs> and then we can let it go. <laughs> well, that's just it. If you have this whatever hanging over your head and you don't know it's there, but something's yeah. affecting you. Just knowing that, oh, that's all it is. Okay, <laughs> I can go now. That's I can it. go forward after you see what it is. But when, whenever there's an unknown, I mean, even think about in, in the medical world, you know, when some, we don't feel good for some reason and we go yes. to our doctor, we're yes. kind of in fear until we find out what is it. But a lot of times it's like, Oh, well, you know, you just have indigestion. You know, you're, you're fine. Go home. Yes. <laughs> but we didn't we know until we saw the doctor. <laughs> That's true. We do. We fear the unknown. That's true. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Especially if we don't know that something's there until it just, I had a, a friend that um, he was feeling just fine. And then one day he just started feeling sick and ended up in the hospital. I mean, totally healthy soccer player and yeah. he just had had something hereditary and you know he had yeah. to go to the hospital and find out what it was but we don't know until sometimes it's it affects sure. us and, and sometimes mm -hmm. it takes going through those you know as we work with people we kind of peel those layers yes and a lot of times yes. everything seems oh, i'm pretty good here and you're totally unaware then you start peeling yeah. you get down to the third layer and it's like Oh, something's glaring. <laughs> oh, we have to do something with that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And um, as you're working with these businesswomen, what is the main reason they come to see you? Like, how do they find out about you and say, oh, I need what she's got? 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm on Facebook and I tend to do um, some lives in groups or on my own page. I've just started Instagram now, but <laughs> see how that goes. It's been a bit of fun. I've been trying to do the reels. Um, <laughs> so I've actually enjoyed that. But, um, yeah, that's where they've been finding me. Um, yeah, that tends to be, and, and, you know, word of mouth if someone else has said, hmm. But, I mean, what kind of problems are they coming to you with? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, mostly wanting to increase their revenue or their impact in their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had one particular one that was um, wanting to identify their purpose a little bit more clearly. But, yeah, most of the time it's it's the impact and revenue. So what has been your experience working with people as far as increasing their revenue? Do you have any stories you can tell us about people you've worked with? Yeah, yeah. I've got um, one um, seven-figure coach that I'm working with now. I've had eight sessions with her, and it has been absolutely mind-blowing watching her journey through um the recode sessions and just shifting her structure from problem solving to being in the creative orientation. And, you know, just watching her soul light up on fire. Um, And and really, you know, she was a successful businesswoman even before I met her. And the, the steps that we went through to open it up even more, because there's a difference in... Like when you're in different stages in business, whether you're in ideas phase, launch phase, growth phase, or the scale phase, each phase comes with kind of a new identity or like an identity shift. You sort of like you you get to know how to deal with that stage and then you start feeling safe in that stage. So she's a seven-figure coach and she was feeling safe in that stage, kind of like, all right, I've already got everything I need. Like she's already set up in financially everything really. So there's that element of, well, I'm already safe. If I step further, if I reach for more, what if I fail and I lose everything? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like safe. I know what I'm doing. But when I dip my toes in going bigger, how's that going to look like? Yeah. So it's fun, you know, getting them to dip their toes in and going in a bit deeper. And, you know, then they're swimming in it. Like, this is me now. This is the new me. (laughs) And I've heard you have to have a different mindset, you know, just looking at the amount of money when you have one mindset to get like over 100,000. Then there's another mindset to get over a million. There's another mindset to get several million. There's a totally different mindset to get to a billion. Yes, yes. What? I don't know quite that one yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm quite proud. I think in, you know, um, my family, I'm the first generation millionaire. And it's like it I understand the mindsets to that point, but the billionaire I don't quite understand. But um I think, you know, when you go through the phases, I totally agree. There is definitely, there's definitely shifts in all different ways, isn't there? Um, and I think, you know, it's really important to be able to, 
you know, coach people through that so that they can really open up their creativity and not get stuck down on their beliefs of whatever it may be that, you know, oh, just an example, you know, I had someone I was coaching the other day and she was really hesitant in allowing herself to make choices related to financial things. And she just kept wanting to be in me, but I want to feel like this. I want to, you know, I want this kind of feeling of abundance. I want this joy with my business and da, da, da. I said, what about the actual um, materialistic things? Oh, no, I don't want to worry about that. I want, I want the, you know, the enlightenment. I said, well, you know, as much as we are a creative spirit, you know, that's how we came down. We chose this body. And we chose the polarity of the, you know, world we're living in. And, you know, money is a measurement that we use to buy things, you know, and we need those things, <laughs> you know, and it's okay to want those things. It's okay. And um, it was really interesting going through the steps with her um, and, you know, I've only just started coaching her, so we still haven't gotten very far, but it's just that um, interesting perspective of, well, if I have that, then how can I be spiritual too? Mm -hmm. If I'm materialistic, how can I be spiritual? And it's kind of like, well, do you know what? If I was standing next to you and I was breathing in air, would I take away from the air that you're breathing in? Can we both breathe in air at the same time? Mm -hmm. Can we be spiritual and have materialistic things as well? Yeah. And talk a little bit about that. So, you know, you're working with a lot of coaches and I'm, I'm guessing people in the helping space yes. and um, healers, helpers, I mean, we do what we do for free for hours a day, all day long, and not expect anything in return just because we just want to help someone. We just want to see someone doing well. We're excited to see someone do well or to be able to help in that process. But like you said, we're still in this world where we have to have income because we can't just live on love, you know, <laughs> love is wonderful, but we can't just live on just giving. We have to actually have receiving back. So how do you work with people when they just want to give and they have a hard time receiving? So I'll ask, are you doing this for a hobby or a business? <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> they got to make that choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If it's a business, then there needs to be a revenue coming in. Otherwise, it's not a business. If they chose to be a businesswoman, then they're going to need to step into the shoes and put the big girl undies on of making money. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's a hobby. It's a charity. And they're more than welcome to do that if that's their choice. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone has the choice to choose that. There will be people that choose that. And there's nothing wrong with that. If they want that, it's a beautiful thing to work for a charity or to give things freely. But then they've got to realize that it's not a business. 
Exactly. And what about that part where some sometimes those givers, they have a hard time receiving? How do you work them through that when they're in that stage? That's a great question. Um, I guess I would look at why they were so wanting to um, give and not receive. But what is it that, um, what is it about them? What is it about their past experience that they're not allowed to receive? Because it's a reciprocal thing. It's reciprocated. It's like, you know, the exchange of money is for giving value, you know. And it's a beautiful thing. Like it's, a, you know, back in the day, you might have swapped a chicken for a duck or whatever like it's it's a unit of measurement money is a unit of me measurement to something of value so if you're giving a service of value then there'll be people prepared to pay money for it and it's an exchange and you know it's a giving and it's a receiving so that I'd be looking at okay well what is it about that person that they can't receive like they give and then by giving, they're getting something like what sort of neural mechanisms are happening? They're getting like these fires of dopamine from seeing the person light up, mm -hmm. you know, and it's lovely, isn't it? Like whenever, I mean, I get a buzz when my, my clients do amazing things or I see the passion in their eyes or, you know, the transformations that they go through and it can be addictive. You know, there is that element of, well, I just love seeing people transform. Mm -hmm. but I mean that's just that's just one aspect of it isn't it that's just a giving thing there's also the exchange the, the receiving mm -hmm. yeah. I like how you separate the two so you can have both oh, why not yeah you can have both <laughs> so um help us understand a little bit about recoding what do you mean when you say recoding I know it's such an interesting thing isn't it it's um it's, it's a process. So we go through the process and it's really, you know, it's one of those things that you need to experience and then you fully understand. Kind of like, um, you know, when you're having a baby and people tell you about what it's going to be like and then nothing quite describes how it is, like all the amazingness of it. You can't ever explain to someone how beautiful, you know, that bond between their child is when they're, they're smiling at you or they're laughing at you or they're interacting at, with you or they say mummy or something mm -hmm. or daddy. Or, um, and it's like it's an experience we go through. And I guess it's, it's come about from quite a lot of different um, rates in the past, really. It's been put together from... Uh, there's been like in putting together the, the method, there's been quite a number of people involved, some like psychotherapists, some um, shaman, a shaman and a billionaire. And um, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many different people that have come together in putting this modality together and it's going to be revolutionary it's one of those things you know there's EFT there's EDMR there's hypnotherapy there's you know like NLP and these are all now really well known well superconscious recode in 10 years time will be in that class 
probably even more revolutionary because we've had um, we've had people do these other techniques, come and do the recode and be mind blown at the results. And that doesn't take away from their techniques because every technique has its own like own right and beauty, right? I mean, there's not one method that's right for everyone. Don't get me wrong. But it's just, it's it's really efficient. And that's what drew me to it. It's efficient and fast. And it's, you know, you understand a lot about neuroplasticity, Dr. Monet. So um, it's kind of like, have you seen one of those movies of the neurons connecting together and making new connections? Mm-hmm. When I think of the recode, I think of um, I think of that process just becoming easier because you're breaking through the resistance of making those new connections. Mm. So it's connecting through to your higher self. So you, you know we've got the three levels of consciousness. So the ego or self-conscious, the unconscious, or some people call it the subconscious. And then there's the superconscious, that higher field. And it's like this field of energy that surrounds each of us. And you know, when you head into that energy, it's just information. There's no time and space. It's, it's just really powerful. And instead of, you know, some modalities um, work on the subconscious level. So, yeah, it's got the superconscious subconscious self-conscious a lot of modalities work at the subconscious level and as you know the subconscious is a huge memory bank and even though you can change and shift it it doesn't want to change like it it wants to stay safe (laughs) (laughs) it does want to stay safe yes yes and so um when you head on into the superconscious level it's a lot faster because there's not that pain that's in the subconscious field. It's kind of like a, a different shifting of energy. I guess the way that I usually describe it is, you know, the different states of water. So when you've got ice, it's in a solid state and the particles are quite tightly browned and it's really hard to change its shape unless you sort of like smash it and and then you've got then you've got your next level which is water in its fluid state liquid state Mm -hmm. and it's like the particles are less tightly bound you can change its shape by putting it in a different container Mm -hmm. and then you've got the upper level the gas the particles are not very tightly bound at all and they're freely movable And when you shift things at the level when they're freely movable, it's a lot easier and faster. Mm. And then you bring it back down again. I mean, you always have to bring it back down again because at the end of the day, we're in Mm -hmm. this physical body, this container. And so, you know, any we can shift through those different stages. But when we make changes to our resistance, it's the fastest when we do it at that superconscious level. Wow. So when people go in and they make these changes, what are some of the things you see them doing differently? Um, they just shift their energy towards taking action. 
Yeah, it's just so it's a lot easier, easier to take action towards okay. it. Easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, people will still take action if they have resistance. It's just a lot harder, mm-hmm. a lot more work. Like you're making when yourself. The, <laughs> that's it. Yes. And, right, and I love just, exercise. Yes. Days when it's like, I just don't want to get up, but I make myself go to the gym. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And you know, when you're trying to get away from something, then the motivation is getting away from it, right? And so, like, you know, let's say you were trying to um, lose weight and you wanted to exercise and you're trying to get away from a certain weight of the body. So there's motivation, 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 start losing weight, start losing weight. Then once you've lost a certain amount of weight, there's no motivation anymore because you've lost that certain amount of weight and then it starts heading back. And like a lot, that's why there's a lot of that sort of yo-yoing going on. And that kind of thing happens when people are trying to increase their revenue or trying to increase their impact. And it ends up being, we call it um, kind of like a pendulum. It's an oscillating structure mm-hmm. because people get to a certain point and they're motivated by getting away from something. Once you get away from something far enough, there's not enough motivation to keep going to the end result. Mm -hmm. And so you go like this, I'm motivated. This really sucks. I want to get away from it. Okay. I feel better now. And you go back. Oh man, I'm back again. I'm really going to get motivated. I'm really going to go. (laughs) So what's that that structure? It's an oscillating structure. And so when you shift into a flowing structure rather than an oscillating structure, you're not getting away from something. You're going towards something. Mm-hmm. So it's that mindset that we're talking about, that problem-solving versus creating mindset. And it seems simple and it seems obvious. It's, oh, yeah, I can do that. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> but when you break it down and actually sort of notice yourself day-to-day when you're trying to create something and notice yourself and how you actually you know, the mindset that you step into it, it's powerful. So when you were talking about that, it's really easy to see what you're trying to get away from. I mean, yes, we're in it. If you're overweight, you look at the scale and go, I'm in it and I can see it and I can see when I'm far away from it. But when you're thinking about something in the future that's new that you haven't experienced yet, Yes. Um, sometimes it seems really far away or almost yes. unreal. So yes. how do we change our mindset to make it not feel so far away? I always notice if I if I'm going to a new place in the car and I'm having to watch the directions, it seems like forever to get there. But I, on the way home, yes. I just zip home. And I'm like, yes. I thought it took so long to get here. And it yes. the same thing. So how do we change that mindset so it doesn't seem so far or so yes unprobable yes definitely and I think you know it's really important to have there's 12 steps in place to really go through and tick off all the different bits of resistance that can get in the way of blocking you from getting clarity on that end result feeling 
um, one with that end result, really like stepping into that end result, you know, and, and it can feel like it's so foreign, can't it? And, I mean, look, one of the, the powerful things that you know very well is, you know, techniques on being able to visualise it. But, um, you know, it, it's not, it's, it, I don't think one thing is enough to sort of help you identify with it. I think there's so many, so many steps that you need to take to sort of make that more familiar, don't you? Like it, it needs to become safe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's kind of like mm-hmm. learning anything new. At first, it's just so uncomfortable. I mean, if you're learning how to play golf and they're saying, you know, bend over this way and put your arms out straight, that's yes. not natural to hold your, you know, body over like this and your arms down like this together. It's just really <laughs> uncomfortable, you know? And, and not only that, after you did that, they want you to pull back with your arms in the right, you know, and it's very, very, it just feels weird and uncomfortable in a lot of work. But then yes. you've been playing yes. golf for a while. It's like, oh, this is pretty natural. And then they can give yes. you then the 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 small the uh, adjustments or the improvements come a lot easier than the very first few steps of it. Mm, yeah, yeah. And we've drilled these things to ourselves quite well with the behavioral optometry background of like understanding that process of like identifying what it is you want to learn, starting to learn it. And then getting to the point where it's automatic, efficient, and comfortable, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, um, just so people can contact you, uh, find you, uh, where can we find you? And um, can you just kind of tell us what services you have now available? And also, yeah. I know you have an event coming up, so if you want to share that, that would be great. Wonderful. Yes. Um, I have an event on the 23rd of February, 2022 at 11 a.m. AEDT, which is Australian Eastern Daylight Time, Melbourne time. So 11 a.m. on the 23rd of February. And to find me uh, on Facebook is probably the easiest way. So if you head on down to Facebook, it's Priscilla and Nico Tricarico. So it's with an E. Um, Should I spell Priscilla? P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A. And Uh Tricarico is T-R-I-C-A-R-I-C-O. And so if you head on into Facebook, friend me or send me a messenger, um, a message. And if you put in there, um, if you message me Kimberly, um, then I know Dr. Dr. Lynette, any of those things, just so that I, I know the reference of where you've come from, I'll have a special gift for you. All right, thanks. And um, any other services or anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. So um, I do have uh, one-on-one sessions uh, as well on top of the um, events. So if people are interested in that, uh, but I think the best thing is if, if um, you'd like to know more, just contact me and we can work out what would be suitable for you. Great. So just a personal question now. Um, what yeah. gives you the most happiness and fulfillment in your life at this point? What gives me the most happiness and fulfillment? Um, that's a really good question. I love 
watching my children play soccer. I love um, just going on adventures with my family. We've been to the beach so many times and um, bike riding and all those things. They just bring me joy doing stuff together with family, friends, um, watching my animals. I've got um, like goat, chickens. I've got a dog, just watching how they interact with each other. Oh, and my work, learning, I love learning. My big passion in life is learning. And, you know, I've spent so long learning things. I really love the idea now of sharing it with as many people as I can. So, you know, it's lovely that you invited me onto the podcast to be able to share that. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for sharing all your wisdom and strategies. It's been awesome. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so I have one last question. Yes. <clears throat> what is your best advice on living an incredible, amazing life? My best advice is to fill it with as many things as you can that you love doing. I think one of the most important um, things is like, you know, if you've got that vessel, you've got a vessel. And if that vessel is filled with, let's say it's filled with water and that water represents stress, anxiety, worry, you know, imposter syndrome, burnout, you name it, you label it, you put it in that. And it's going to feel heavy because of those labels but if you start filling it with sand, if you fill that jug with sand and the sand represents happiness, it represents doing the things you'd love doing every single day, opening up whatever it is that sparks that joy inside you, it's going to push the water out. And the more you fill it with sand, the more you're going to open the life you love. And this is what I really love about what I do. And as I tell people, you know, if they've got certain things that they find are wrong with them, like I've got anxiety or I've got imposter syndrome or I've got burnout, any of those labels, and it's like I'm not going to fix you, right? If you open up the things you love, there won't be space for those things anymore. And so... That's what I noticed in myself. That's what I see in my clients. And so, you know, if we're just going to do like a quick something, that would be my quick, quick something of advice. All right. Well, that is great advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Priscilla. That's a pleasure. Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.